Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is on the air. Never send to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is a call to arms for those American patriots who, in the tradition of our founding fathers, will stand up now to defend the Constitution and the liberties that it guarantees to each citizen, to each of us. That is our mission, to explain in a clear and concise manner the direct effect of each issue on the individual, on you personally not some anonymous being in a distant place, and to define in no uncertain terms the consequences of inaction. Let the battle begin. This is Dr. Dan. For the past two years, we have heard a unified message from the Democrats and their partners in the media. President Trump is a liar, racist, misogynist, rapist, cheater, womanizer, and hater. He is senile, unfit to be president, and the direct cause of all discord, racism, violence, and international warfare. He must be impeached. The president's supporters are a bunch of neo-Nazi, fascist, white supremacists, primarily older white males with limited IQs, who are responsible for all the ills of society and must be eliminated. Oprah Winfrey actually said that older white folks are the primary problem in our country and should just die. Every word of every sentence President Trump writes or speaks is analyzed, parsed, and manipulated by media giant Media Matters to falsely validate their hatred of President Trump and his pro-American agenda. Media Matters, financed by George Soros, is the source that feeds and coordinates this message to its hundreds of media outlets, all of which repeat the same lies and distortions over and over again. I suggest you read Cheryl Atkinson's The Smear for an excellent expose of how this whole system works. That's Cheryl Atkinson, The Smear, How Shady Political Operatives and Fake News Control What You See, What You Think, and How You Vote. It's available on Amazon. This has been the only message from the Democrat Party since Donald Trump announced his candidacy for presidency. It has been constant and unified. They all use the same words and express express the same twisted lies on a daily basis. If you are a student of history, you probably recognize these tactics. Joseph Goebbels said, if you tell a lie big enough and keep repeating it, the people will eventually come to believe it. The lie can be maintained only for such time as the state can shield the people from the political, economic, and or military consequences of the lie. And, of course, Vladimir Lenin said, a lie told often enough becomes the truth. So it should be obvious that the American Democrat Party of Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi, Maxine Waters, and Barack Obama relies on the same tactics used for decades 
by a variety of dictators and tyrants. Many current Democrat candidates actually claim to be Democratic Socialists, as if no one really understands where that name comes from. The National Democratic Socialist Party is the English translation of what Nazi Party means in German, which we all recognize from 1930s Germany. Apparently, several weeks before the midterm elections, Democrat Party leaders realized that they needed more than an anti-Trump message to appeal to voters. Without hesitation, they returned to their standard modus operandi, namely giving out free stuff. There have been several very obvious, important issues facing our nation today, as well as some incredible successes by the Trump administration over the past two years. Due to decreases in regulations and taxes, our economy is booming with a growth rate over 4% and 7.1 million unfilled jobs available. Minority unemployment is at its lowest ever. More Americans are employed than ever in our history, and wages, especially those in manufacturing, have increased. We now have a successful foreign policy with a great increase in international respect for America. And the successful renegotiation of numerous trade deals and treaties that were not beneficial to our nation in the first place. One true crisis we face is a large caravan with thousands of illegal aliens that is approaching our southern border, demanding entry. Like it or not, it is an invasion. Their weapons, however, are the laws and court decisions that force us to admit illegal aliens who set foot on American soil. An army of immigration lawyers are present down there to make sure as many illegals as possible get to stay in our country, safe from deportation, after promising to return for a future court hearing. Most, of course, never return for their court hearing and disappear into communities that protect them from the law. As the election approaches, the stories of these economic successes with their positive effect on nearly every American were not heard in the mainstream media. The negative impact of illegal immigrants taking jobs from American citizens was not heard. Out of nowhere, conveniently, just before the midterm elections, the cost of medical care suddenly becomes the one issue most important to a large percentage of Americans. And the Democrats are pushing Medicare for all a massive, unaffordable, socialized medicine plan that comes with the false promise of low-cost, government-run, first-class medical care for everybody. Of course, the cost and availability of medical care is a real concern for most of us. I contend, however, that the national media, led by Media Matters, fabricated the relative importance of this issue to influence the midterm elections. So, let's have a discussion about government-run medical care. It comes down to one basic question. Who owns 
your body. This is Dr. Dan, and as I asked you, who owns your body? I could literally spend hours listing for you every rule, regulation, cost, and tax contained in a government-run health care system like Great Britain's or Obamacare. Instead, if I explain to you the philosophy behind health care legislation, you will realize that it has been designed specifically to limit the quality and availability of your medical care and ultimately to control the life and death of every U.S. citizen. To begin, we must go all the way back to ancient Greece, to Plato and Hippocrates. Plato believed that a human being's only purpose for living was to serve the Greek empire. Imperfect babies could be killed up to five weeks of age, and people over 45 only received palliative medical care. In both these instances, the decision to terminate a life or withhold care was related to the patient's minimal or declining usefulness to the collective Greek society. Hippocrates, however, believed that human life is divine in origin and a physician's duty was to protect life from conception to natural death. Fortunately for all of us, Hippocrates won the battle, and except for a brief lapse of medical ethics in Germany during the Nazi regime, medicine has fulfilled its obligations to humanity as prescribed by by the Hippocratic Oath. Two physicians are credited with being the primary advisors to Obama when creating the Obamacare version of a government-run health care system, Dr. Ezekiel Emanuel and Dr. Peter Singer. Ezekiel Emanuel, the brother of Rahm Emanuel, White House health care policy advisor, conceived a health care philosophy he called the Complete Lives System. Here is an excerpt from his plan, and I quote, The Complete Lives Plan supports prioritizing adolescents and young adults over infants. Adolescents have received substantial education and parental care, investments that will be wasted without a complete life. Infants, by contrast, have not yet received those investments. Similarly, adolescence brings with it a developed personality capable of forming and valuing long-term plans whose fulfillment requires a complete life. The complete life system produces a priority curve on which individuals aged roughly between 15 and 40 years of age get the most substantial chance, whereas the youngest and oldest people get chances that are attenuated. Attenuated means less. Dr. Peter Singer, who wrote a book called Should the Baby Live?, in which he advocates infanticide at the discretion of the parents in consultation with a physician. Here are some quotes from his book. Quote, killing a disabled infant is not morally equivalent to killing a person. Very often it is not wrong at all, Singer wrote in his essay, Justifying Infanticide. Killing infants cannot be equated with killing normal human beings. No infant, disabled or not, has a strong claim to life as beings capable of seeing themselves as distinct entities existing over time. When circumstances occur after birth such that they would have justified abortion, what we call after-birth abortion 
should be permissible, end quote. The philosophy of these two physicians, an immoral doctrine, doctrine that they share with Plato, Nietzsche, and Adolf Hitler now appears in our time as the basis for a proposed government-run health care system called Medicare for All. At its core, this is a moral battle between individual rights and collective rights, and therefore we must discuss the difference. The right to own private property that cannot be arbitrarily confiscated by the government is the moral and constitutional basis for individual freedom. By definition, a person's property consists not only of his land and home, but also the work of his hands, the inventions of his brain, and ultimately his life itself. When our founders met to form a government after the revolution, fresh in their collective memories were the harsh limitations on individual freedom perpetrated by King George on the colonists. The document that emerged from that sometimes contentious constitutional convention was written to prevent any central government from exercising tyrannical control over the lives of citizens. Specifically, the Constitution and the Bill of Rights enumerate and protect a person's natural law rights. Natural law rights are divine in origin and therefore are eternal and everlasting. They belong to you because of your humanity and cannot be taken from you by government or by man. Conversely, rights that are granted by man or by government can be modified, augmented, or eliminated at any time by the very authority that granted them in the first place. The difference between natural law rights, which are individual rights, and rights granted by government, which are collective rights, is very simply this. Natural law rights impose no obligation on any other person. You have the right to pursue happiness for yourself, but you cannot obligate or force someone else to provide happiness for you. So, how does all this relate to a government-run health care system? First of all, no one has the right to receive medical care. Medical care is a service provided to a recipient by a trained provider. A patient seeking care induces a physician or provider to give care by offering some kind of payment. The free exchange of goods and services as part of the free market economy. When claiming a right, the first question you must ask is, who pays for that right? Anne Rand would ask, at whose expense? If someone else is forced to pay for your right, it is not a right. It is a coerced payment, and therefore it is theft. I'm not saying that we shouldn't have some sort of safety net to ensure medical care for everyone who wants and needs it. My argument is with those who would force us all into a one-size-fits-all government program that eliminates personal choice and personal responsibility. Government-run medical programs force physicians to provide care based on bureaucratic norms 
rather than patient needs and serve primarily as political bribes to buy votes. As a society, we must devise a system in which that goal can be achieved without compromising the freedom and economic well-being of all parties. Medical care is only one of life's necessities. If you are reasonably healthy, you may see a doctor once or twice a year. In that same period of time, you eat over a thousand meals, sleep each of 365 nights, buy at least 50 tanks of gas for your car, get dressed, watch television, use your cell phone, and otherwise participate in life's daily functions. Do you have a right to eat? If you think so, you could try filling up your shopping cart with food and then refuse to pay the cashier claiming you have a right to eat. Do you have a right to a house, electricity, and a bed? Do you have a right to clothes, fuel, a cell phone, a TV set, or car repairs? These are all goods and services to be paid for personally. If you contend that medical care is a right, you are creating an obligation for someone else to pay for that right. Since government cannot give you anything that it does not first steal from someone else, the created right condones the taking of property from one person by force for the benefit of an unrelated individual. That is called theft, and a person who is forced to work for the benefit of another is, by definition, a slave. So here are some of the common misconceptions about Medicare for All. Myth, Medicare for all would get rid of profiteering insurance companies and thereby save billions. The fact is that the insurance monoliths would still be there to manage the system. Look at the profits of the Medicare Advantage plans and Medicaid managed care contractors. Their business plan is to deny care because that's the only way they can make a profit. Myth, quality would be assured by the government. The fact is quality would be defined by the government based on compliance with population-based guidelines, not on what is best for individual patients. The VA medical care system is an example of what you get with single-payer, government-run health care. Our veterans spend hours sitting in clinics, waiting to be seen by a primary care technician who decides what level of care the patient can get. Often weeks or months later is when they get the care by providers who often lack the training to provide top quality care. Myth. Government would negotiate lower prices. The fact is the government would impose price controls. Cuts of 40% to providers have been proposed. Now, practice overhead is at least 50% of a physician's revenue. And if a practice can't cover its costs, it closes. Myth. The system would be like in Western Europe, free but with great care available when you need it. The fact is private insurance is available and widely used in Europe. It would be outlawed in a Medicare for all plan in the United States. 
Cost-saving methods in Europe include Britain's Liverpool Care Pathway, in which older people are killed by dehydrating them to death over time. If you break a hip, you end up in bed and you get dehydrated and, and die. And they want to expand euthanasia in Belgium, Netherlands, and Switzerland. Myth. Corporations and the rich would pay for it with modest tax hike. The fact is that costs of greater than $40 trillion cannot be paid by any available or proposed source of revenue. And, of course, business costs are paid by the consumer or the business disappears. Obama promised falsely that if you liked your health care plan or your doctor, you could keep your doctor or your health plan. With Medicare for All, your insurance plan would be outlawed and your doctor would be assigned a plan provider who may have minimal training or experience. The candidates supporting Medicare for All are preparing to sabotage the voluntary American system of medical care and replace it with a system that will resemble socialized systems like Venezuela and Great Britain. Our goal as a society should be to ensure equal economic opportunity allowing each individual to achieve his own personal version of prosperity. Life's necessities, including medical care, would then be available and affordable through free market competition for goods and services. This is Dr. Dan. And that concludes another episode of Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. Join the battle on our website, www.drdansfreedomforum.com. The right to own private property that cannot be arbitrarily confiscated by the government is the moral right and constitutional basis for individual freedom. Yeah, when I played the hoochie coochie man, I get joy in everything. Everything. Everything gonna be all right this morning.